Talking Tesla. Talking Tesla. Tesla. I'm not sure if like my foot should be on the brake or the accelerator. Because they put rings on Elon. It must be some sort of geometrical algorithm. Are you ready now? Oh, I'm sure this is math. Tom? <laughs> Robert? Yeah. Well, all right, fellas. Well, let's go! How am I expected to drive a car without autopilot? So, here's the deal. You know, I'm not a good parker, Tom. Yeah. I'll be the first to admit it. Yeah. I just think that this is a car company that is run by super geeks. All the other cars are going to be stupid cars compared to this car. Tesla. You don't even have Tesla. Yep. I remember that. You've got a Model X. seen the future, and it is light pole charging. No, I wouldn't call it a screw-up. Do you like your Model X? God, it's beautiful. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it's time for Talking Tesla 48, and because Tom hates you, and he hates you a lot... He's not here in the studio. Where are you, Tom? I'm in Chicago, downtown in the Loop, and on my morning run today, I saw my first Tesla. She was a beauty. She was red. That's nice. Now, why the lack of commitment? Um, you should be here every Monday, no matter what. I'm out here for a birthday of my lovely cousin, her 78th birthday. I think that's good enough reason as any to come to Chicago yeah. and, and miss some live recording. We'll let the Talking Tesla uh, nation decide if that uh, shows a lack of commitment or not. But, you know. Hey, Robert was just telling us about he got a lovely personalized email from a little company called Solar City. What did they want to tell you? Just you, Robert. Yeah, it was just to me because they know that I have so much disposable income. <laughs> and they offered <laughs> to sell direct to me bonds, minimum of $1,000. But get this, they're willing to pay me me, six and a half percent return for eighteen months of bonds. Six and a half percent is that not whacked? I that, mean, my university credit union, right? We were yes. just talking about, uh-huh. is paying you point zero eight seven percent. Yeah, that's. Um, I talked to my finance friend and said, "What do you What do you think about this?" And he said, um, "That sounds like they're in desperate need for cash." Um, that's a risky uh, investment because there'll be no guarantee if they go under, you don't get anything. And if you think about it, let's say you had $100,000 and uh, you wanted to make 6.5%. Sounds good, right? That's only good if it's guaranteed and it's not going to lose it. So if you put $100,000 in, Solar City goes tank, you lose $100,000. So he says, now, Mel, how does that sound? Do you want to make 6.5% on potentially losing hundred grand?" And I said, no, I don't. What I don't understand about that is, is their credit rating so shitty that they can't get money in the regular bond market, which is considerably lower than that? Yeah, I I think it uh, does suggest that they've got some issues. Um, I think some people will, you know, will go at it, but I think it's way too risky. So are you going to get any, Robert? I think I will. Really? No. No. Okay. I have a bit of be- faith in that uh, In that all integrated roof product and batteries on the house and well now solar city bonds are going to be tesla tesla energy solar city are they not yep so you uh, you're going to go in well we'll follow this and uh, we'll see who loses the most cash i'll be losing money because i'm going to leave it in the credit union at 0.01 percent <laughs> we'll be getting six and a half or zero one of the two <laughs> <laughs> 
Hey, uh, the other thing we need to talk about uh, is the new opening. Um, we've got a new opening. It's based on The Sweet. Now, The Sweet was an old English rocker group, a pop uh, group in the 70s. I'm a big fan. I love it. So we, we had to incorporate Robert into the show. So we started a new opening. And it turns out that 50% of the time you can piss off everybody. 50% of the time. <laughs> That's, That's right. true. I, I really had no, we managed to do that to very, very quickly. Lots of vitriol and lots of yay. With change comes difficulty. Well, I did say here, um, what do you think, Tesla, talking Tesla Nation, of the new opening? Not that we care. We're not going to change it. <laughs> oh, so, wow. there's that. <laughs> Maybe if we add a fourth person, that's your only probability. Or if, you know, somebody dies, it, we could change it. <laughs> We'd like to know what you think. Not really. Don't bother. Uh, the last thing I want to sort of do as introduction is uh, talking Tesla bingo. Andrew Stevens was bored during, I think he said, a conference or some meeting. <sighs> And he made Talking Tesla Bingo, which we all have up on the site. We already have it up on the site. So if you want to do the Talking Tesla drinking game, he's created a bingo for you. And it has things like Mel says the F word or, you know, uh, Tom, what do you do on this thing? I've got it in front of me. Tom pleads poverty, I think, was one of them, which I don't necessarily – I may plead poverty. I'm more – I feel like I'm pleading cheapness or frugality more than poverty. I'm not – in poverty, but I am cheaper than dirt. All right, uh, let's get into the first story of the week. And the first story of the week that I found was um, Tesla stealing. So this is from, wait for it. Yes. So Electric uh, has this article that says it's really hard to steal a Tesla. In fact, it's one of the least stolen cars in the world because it's an EV. And I guess the robber's like, I don't know what to do an EV. They're like the rest of the public. There's nothing to hotwire. Or if they do find the hotwire... They're fried. <laughs> it's a lot of hotness in the wire. And because they've got sort of always on EV tracking, and so it's really, they haven't been stolen much. But here's some good news for you that were feeling left out that your car wasn't very stolen compared to like a Honda Accord. Um, a Tesla was stolen in Vancouver, but this was because the, the dude left the fob in the car. So uh, first take-home message. Don't do that, even though I do that all the time. I hate having keys in my pocket, and I leave it in the car, and I get out. So don't do that. Then there was two stolen in Germany, and they didn't have the key left in the car. So the sort of blogosphere has suggested that maybe the best way or the easiest way for these guys to have stolen this car is actually to have hacked the Tesla app and then somehow blocked the GPS tracking in the car. But what I want to know is, even if you block the GPS tracking in the car, every time you plug into a supercharger, I think thought that they could um, track your car then because if you go to Tesla um, Central, they can see every Tesla supercharger in the world and who's charging and how much. So surely there is a way to follow them on the supercharger network. So again, I'm getting around to the point, what is the point of stealing a Tesla if you can't use the supercharger network and you can only plug it in at home? How do you sell that car? Because isn't the whole point you're going to sell this for a huge profit? Um, Who's going to buy that car? Plus you can't strip the car for parts because the parts really aren't saleable on the secondhand market. As as far as Tesla goes, I know for certain if you total your Tesla and your Tesla is, you know, got a salvage title on it, Tesla will not work on it. They will not repair anything. They will not service it. They will not touch it. That is part of the policy of Tesla. So beware if somebody offers you a, or you find a really great deal on a Tesla and it's got a salvage title, you're going to have a really tough time getting anything done on that car. Because right now there aren't any other, or not to my knowledge, you know, shops 
that work on Teslas that'll work on your air conditioning or your your screen, replace your touch screen or any of those sorts of things. So maybe you steal a Tesla and you cut the battery out of it. I don't know what you do. When and then you, you have a, your own Maybe you're wall. like a Eastern European crime lord, some Baltic state that you can't get a Tesla and you're like, bring me Tesla. Go me to Tesla. Germany. I plug in at home. I plug in it's at good. home. I, I have destination charger at the local Hilton. I drive on one road in town, around and around and around. <laughs> yeah. All right. So uh, can we talk about the effing falcon wing doors? That's not swearing. Here, actually, we should go back for a second. There's a couple of uh, letters about that that's saying um, a couple of people said, you know, you could stop swearing. That would be good, Mel. Use your words was one of them. We'll get to that later. <laughs> I like um, that one. But then the other one was uh, said that if you put an explicit tag – you can't stream this from the app, is that right? You have Only to at, at the work. website. No, at his office, they have they have like the explicit was blocked in his office. So we should probably not have explicit just for those situations where people's companies are blocking them. Yeah, and actually, I think it was on his company provided cell phone. Yeah, he was not able to stream the podcast. He's like, oh, that's sorry, ridiculous. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> they put. Oh, well, he's not listening to this episode. <laughs> They put parental – use your words, Mel. Use your words. Use your words. All right. That's, That's completely word. ridiculous. That's a word, isn't it? <laughs> um, okay. So the effing Falcon Wing doors is from Tesla Rati from Gene. We love those guys. Single uh, press on the fob could close all the doors on the X. And I went over this, how the X basically ate my wife and I because I was putting something <laughs> into the X. All the doors were open. The fob was in my pocket. I pressed the fob somehow, and then all the doors came down crushing us, and the sensors didn't help. So there's actually been more reports, not just mine, although I think mine's the most important. And Tesla has actually come out with a software upgrade that says pressing on that fob won't close all the doors unless you turn it on because it now defaults to off. Yes, Tom? But it still lets you turn on the crush the family feature on the Tesla X. So that's a pretty cool non-fix of a lack of sensors on the door to keep it from like killing people. They basically made you have to acknowledge that you were going to at some point crush a member of your family. And what's uh, interesting is that they actually call it the crush the family mode. Uh, do you want the default <laughs> that on or off? Oh, yes, I want it on. <laughs> crush the family. It's only crush a flesh them. wound. <laughs> so I think it's really interesting um, that they've made that change. I think it's important. Another thing that uh, it makes me anxious about the X, I don't know if it's on the new S's as well, is when you're inside the car and you're sitting down and you pop the open the door handle. On a normal car, you then push the door open and as far as you want. But on the X, it defaults to you. Click the door handle and the door swings open so you can jump out. The problem with that is that if you're in a lane sitting there at the pub and the traffic's whipping by and you pop the door, the door can swing all the way open and get ripped off by a passing ice car. And so I think they've changed that as well. But what they talked about in this particular situation was a scenario in you get out of your ex, right? And you're standing and you've closed all the doors and you're getting ready to cross the street or go somewhere else, but you're standing next to it. And the car's like, oh, Mel, you want me to open the door for you? And it just opens the door in traffic. Like that's a scenario that they discussed in this article. So Obviously, if Tesla made a fix for it, that had to have happened. Somebody had to have been sedanding there, and his car presented itself to traffic <laughs> and was like, oopsie, I'm going to need a new one of those. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you're afraid to even walk up to your car as the traffic's coming by because the doors could fly open. Into... Yeah, it's a problem, actually. It's, um, but it, the beautiful thing about this is 
It's hard to anticipate those things when you're sort of sitting down there designing your car. It becomes very obvious when hundreds of thousands of people have it and a small percent of them say, hang on, this is a problem. So the beautiful thing about Tesla is their ability, therefore, then just fix it in uh, over-the-air update. Amazing. That's uh, the beta the beta world. But that's why I thought that the best name for this podcast, since you, Mel, were completely upset about this happening very early on, that obviously Elon does listen to you. He, Elon grocks you, Mel. He grocks me. Elon grocks Mel. Now, where does that come from? What is grocking to grok? Well, if you look it up in the Urban Dictionary, the first listing is from a very famous book. In fact, one of the most influential science fiction books written by Robert Henlein that's called Stranger in a Strange Land. It's a classic? It's a classic. It's sort of like the Jungle Book, but it takes place on Mars. And I think that's also quite appropriate because he gets uh, – he's on a he's – a, he's basically born in route to Mars – this is the protagonist of the book. And uh, they land on Mars and the Mars colony fails. And basically, uh, Earth travels back to Mars to see what happened to that colony. And when they get there, they realize that there's only one human and he's been raised by Martians. And the Martians say, here, take him back. And they bring him back to the United to the, you know, to the world, the United, uh, our Earth planet. And he is like been raised by as in the Jungle Book, raised by non-humans. And he has to readapt into the humanity. And so grokking is this term for, I get you, I feel you, I know what you're going Sounds like plagiarism. Who's Which plagiarizing one came first? <laughs> Which one came first? Jungle Book or Stranger in a Strange Land? Jungle Book. Or if you go back in history, about every other book that's been written since uh, the, Bible. the Dawn of Time. Yeah. <laughs> It could be that. Hey, Bob oh. Lutz, I know we're all big, big fans. Bob Lutz, this is another story from Electric. So uh, Bob Lutz is talking to Current Driver, and he was asked if Tesla will still be there in 20 years. Reasonable question. There's a lot of questions about whether Tesla can pull this thing off. He said, as it is presently, no. As they say, socialism is great until they run out of other people's money. Tesla burns cash. It's not a car company. It's a cult of fanatics who think Elon can do nothing wrong. But financially, it doesn't work. Now, I don't know if he sounds like that. He does. What the hell he was that, like a- dude? He's like an American car maker, and you've turned like- him into some Englishman. He's an English. He's an American cigar-chomping schmuck who just talks out of both sides of his mouth at the same time. So I wrote down here, so GM gets an $11 billion bailout, and that's not socialism. Tesla gets $465 million loan and pays it back. Volt and Bolt get subsidies. That's not socialism, but if Tesla gets them, it is. Oh, Bob. Yeah, but technically, the GM bailout was $50 billion, and the American taxpayers only lost $11 billion on that. So the bailout was a lot bigger. That saved millions of jobs the entire bailout program saved billion, millions of jobs for the country so not a terrible thing bob is a little bit of a loony bin though for sure he doesn't believe in climate change either in case you were wondering uh he oh, was good. on he was on bill maher and talked about that so that was fun to watch um he forgot that the u.s gave him 50 billion dollars did he do you think he just forgot no, I don't think he forgot about it, but I think he's talking more about the ten thousand, the seventy five hundred dollar federal subsidies that owners get more so, so than but, he was talking about the specific money. I mean, it, he's so not, GM he's won't not be uh, using those. I'm sure he's not wrong. It's just that, of course, GM has also taken some uh, social dollars. 
And you know, when uh, when Tesla paid back their almost half a billion dollar loan, I believe there was interest on that, and I do believe the taxpayers got some money back, like an investment. Maybe not as much as Solar City, but it's interesting. You know, if you want to get a good sense of Bob Lutz and actually see a fair amount of Elon and uh, Carlos Ghosn, who was the guy at Nissan who got the Leaf going. It's a great thing to watch the movie Revenge of the Electric Car. It was uh, actually produced and directed by a local Tesla fan who lives here in Los Angeles, Chris Payne. And it's a really great movie. We'll put the link in the show notes, The Revenge of the Electric Car. It's actually a really good documentary. It's really fun to watch. And at least when Tesla got money from the government, they were trying to save the planet with that money for the most part. GM was not. No, they just wanted to pre- produce more giant SUVs and gas-guzzling Corvettes. Hey, wait! One of those G- one of those GMC cars hit my Rav Four. Bastards! You know what? That's uh, I'm pretty sure I just read an article this morning about an orthopedic surgeon on the East Coast who got hit by a giant GMC truck that was ran a red light doing 50 miles an hour. And the upshot of this story was this orthopedic surgeon, who's looked after many hundreds of people who have been broken in car accidents, said, said the entire family, there were like five people in the car, walked away, no problems, airbags deployed. This is one of the safest cars on the road. He couldn't, uh, you know, praise it enough that like I should be dead, our family should be dead, but uh, this car is so safe it saved our lives, and as soon as I can, I'm getting another Model X. And it was, a, am sure, another GMC, so I'm beginning to think that Bob Lutz is sending out the killer GMCs hmm. to kill Tesla owners. Take out all the Teslas. Maybe they're like autonomous, maybe they're, it's just like an autonomous thing that GMC built into its trucks to destroy EVs all over the country. Hmm? Aim it just differently, just a little bit differently. we got to get that battery to explode. Exactly. <laughs> hey, Ford's coming out with an EV. Yay, and this is they... another article from Electric. And you know why wow. this is a, another article from Electric? It's because I like saying Electric. <laughs> yeah. So the Model E, Elon wanted to have the Model E, but Ford said, you can't have it. We own that. And, and then Elon said, well, it's only because you don't want us to spell sex. And so Ford's against sex. And it was very funny. So here's what the article says. It says the Model E is available as a crossover as well as a car. It'll follow the strategy that is similar to the Hyundai Ioniq and will be offered as a hybrid, a plug-in hybrid, and a pure electric vehicle. The EV version is expected to have a range of about 200 miles per charge, a target that CEO Mark Fields confirms Ford is shooting for to challenge Tesla and the Chevy Bolt. Production is planned for the spring of 2019 in Mexico, and it's part of a $4.5 billion investment in EVs by uh, Ford. Now, some people call BS, and if you read the threads, they say this is just more vaporware. Everybody's trying to keep up with Tesla, so it's really easy to say, oh, yeah, we're going to have a 200-plus-mile range car in no time, we swear, so don't rush out and buy too many Teslas. But uh, other people like me said, I think this is more than just vaporware. I think these uh, manufacturers have realized that they have to get on board. The four or 500,000 pre-orders for the Model 3 has made the car industry wake up, even if Bob Lutz hasn't woken up. Yeah, I'm waiting for Ford to uh, basically come to Tesla and say, can we have a set of plans for a Gigafactory? We want to put one in Mexico because we need four of them to supply all of the cars we need to be selling that you're, uh, you're making us look bad. So anyway, I went uh, through my rant of hybrids versus electric vehicles. And the reality is just that hybrids are 
not the way to go. They're, number one, they take gas. Number two, they may reduce some of our dependence on foreign oil, but you know, you're hauling around an, a motor, a, an actual big, heavy piece of metal that is going to charge your your uh, your batteries, or it's going to help run your car when really it's electricity that's going to do a much better job. And you're not going to waste so much energy hauling around that motor. And if you look at the uh, sort of list of the hybrids that are out there and their average miles per gallon versus the electric vehicles that are out there, you've got like a 60% loss in miles per gallon just from hauling around all that extra equipment that comes with a hybrid car. And I did but, the math but, and I realized that, you know, it's math. We hate but, math. But, and actually, you're but not Robert, talking about hybrids. Robert, you're talking Robert, about, you're talking about hybrids. You're, you're talking about hybrids. You're not talking about plug-in EVs with extent with range extenders similar to the Volt. So the math that you're talking about doesn't have anything to do with the point I was going to make, which was for a lot of people, if you have a car that has 85 miles with a range extender, such as the BMW i3, and you can get a lot more people to buy into that, 99% of the time, they're never going to go into their gasoline ever anyways, as long as they continue to keep their car plugged in. And and isn't that really what we're looking for is sort of like the zero pollution at the maximum amount of miles we can get on zero pollution? Because Katie, somebody who works for us and we've talked about in the past who has a Volt, her, you know, she drives 99% of the time just using the plug-in part of her Volt. Yeah, so there is the great controversy. So you're both right. Um, an extended range EV is an electric vehicle that then has some gas backup, like the Volt or something else. And on the one hand, you have people like Tom saying, um, that's good because I get to drive electric most of the time, but if I need to get further, then I can just plug into your gas station. But uh, Robert's also correct, and it's a very inefficient way to build a car because you have to now carry around all this junk that if 99% of the time you're not using it, then 99% of the time it's just sucking your mileage enormously. So... I can see it both ways. I actually like the concept of it as a interim technology until we have a really robust uh, charging network, network. Yeah. and a really robust range. So it goes both ways. But just know that if you buy that car, you are lugging around an old gas engine for most of the time. No reason. Right. But that's what it is, though. That gets people into it. Right. And, that, and that's the most important thing. It's getting as many miles off of emissions as we possibly can, at least in the interim, until they're ready. Right. They're not... Clearly, they're not ready, right? There are not a plethora of 200-mile range plus cars that people can afford, but there are a plethora of these cars that you can go and get for, I mean, you can get the i3 right now for $159 a month in California. For 3000 uh, down, 159 a month for a three-year lease. And on top of that, just to, I don't know if you guys saw this yesterday, but we'll add this in. Tesla announced yesterday they reduced their lease terms from three years to two years. That's kind of convenient because when is your Model 3 going to come in, mm. Tom? Mm. Yes. So, Tom, you seem to know a lot about the BMW i3. Do you need to t- tell us something? No, I've been, I was doing some more research into all the electric cars. And by the way, Ford does have a pure EV as well, as well as a plug-in EV. So it's, this is not going to be the first one, but they are definitely, it's the first one they've announced with the 200 mile range. So there's a, a few cars with the 87 miles, but I talked to, I was at work and I talked to another one of my coworkers who is a BMW fan. And I said to him, did you know you can get an i3 for 
almost no dollars because I said, how much do you pay a month in, in gas, young Benjamin? And he said, around $200. And I said, well, you could drive a brand new BMW i3 for less than that. And, and he was excited, it. and he was excited and was going to look into it. See, uh, this young lad, uh, Ben, is a nice young boy, and he has this old classic uh, BMW, and it's red and sporty, and it's always broken. There's another reason for him to get a new car. <laughs> always broken. <laughs> well, talking about false promise of hybrids, I threw in this article about the Fisker Karma. I don't know if you remember the Fisker Karma, but it was a amazing-looking car that was a complete failure. And they they hyped it like no tomorrow. They got so many A-listers to buy this. I think the first one, uh, what was the name of the guy from Titanic? Leonardo Leonardo, he took, the fir- he took delivery of the first one. So the Fisker Karma was another Volt-like range-extended electric car. It had like a 20-kilowatt-hour battery. It gave it about 32 miles of range. And then it had a, uh, a GM turbocharged engine in it to run a generator to charge the battery. And it was just so full of problems that Consumer Reports said, we buy about 80 cars a year. And this is the first time in memory that we had a car that is undrivable before it had finished our check-in process. You don't want oh. car, you don't want consumer reports saying your car is essentially undrivable. That's not a good <laughs> score. Yeah, Oops. it wasn't that fast. It didn't go that far. Even with a full tank of gas, it only went two hundred and thirty miles. But I believe admittedly, they made a movie about that car in the eighties uh, called Less Than Zero. <laughs> well, let's get this straight. It was actually made in the thousand in, uh, only within the last ten years, but. Uh, I I put down here that uh, it looked like an orgasm on wheels. It was amazing looking car. And uh, so anyway, it failed. What's that? I said, ill? What does that even look like? I don't know what that looks like, but it apparently looks good. Yeah. Now we're going to need another E rating on on this show. What the hell, Robert? So anyway, they went they went bankrupt as well as the battery supplier. This was a company, A123. They had this like amazingly uh, uh, great capacity, brand new batteries. They were going to revolutionize the world. And then they, as well as Fisker at the same time, went belly up because the batteries kept catching on fire and there were problems and they had to keep replacing battery packs and it just dragged them all into a black hole. But this Chinese auto parts company has come along, the Wang, Wangshang Group, and they put up $150 million. They bought the whole kit and caboodle. They shipped the factory from Finland over to uh, Orange County, California. And they're going to rebuild the, the, the car. It's now called the Rivero. And it now has an increased 50-mile EV range. And then it gets 20 miles per gallon after that. And, and it's still being beaten by the Volt. Although it doesn't, you know, it looks better than the Volt. They put some solar panels in the roof. Meh. You get a, a mile and a half a day of range if it's really sunny. Anyway, <laughs> it's I, I would love for this thing to be a really good working car, but I don't have a lot of uh, faith. And they're saying that they're hoping to sell one to 2,000 cars a year. So this is not on the Tesla radar whatsoever. And um, I would just say uh, caveat emptor to anybody thinking of buying one of these. Why, yeah, why do you want it to be a car, Robert? You just said you didn't want to have these range-extending pseudo-EV cars. You need to make up your mind. You're confusing me and the listeners. 
I don't know he where wants you an are orgasm with on this. wheels. That's why. <laughs> yeah, I would love it to be just what it looks like with all electric and faster and handle better and I don't know. And work and yeah. be available and <laughs> and have a soft serve ice cream machine in the back of it and make <laughs> churros. Like what the hell, Robert? What are you looking for? It's amazing how uh, this exploded and this was going to be the car. And people who don't know anything about electric cars know about this, and they're like, "I want that car." I'm like, "That car doesn't exist. That car's never <laughs> going to exist. And if that car ever exists, you're not going to be able to buy it. Only Leonardo DiCaprio will be able to afford one." Last I'm time buy I was it off the- Leonardo on Craigslist. I think he's probably got it listed. Or maybe he's just scrapped it. There's actually three. Last time I was at the Peterson Automobile Museum, there were three electric cars there. There was a Baker, like a 1906 Baker. There was a Fisker Karma. And there was the G, uh, the GM EV1 with all the guts removed. Oh. You know, that's the car they crushed. Yeah. And they all have the same thing in common. None they of them work. work. <laughs> <laughs> I bet the Baker works. I bet the Baker works. Uber and self-driving, Uber and Volvo self-driving cars. We've got a little uh, note here from TechCrunch that says, both companies put in about $300 million into a deal to create an autonomous car based on the C- the XC90 SUV. Isn't that what you used to have, Thomas? I love that car. That was a fun car. They they made that car. That That's one of those current automobiles they have that has about a 12-mile electric range for $80,000. So Useful. the former head of Google uh, self-driving car thing is uh, part of this, as, as well as uh, the former VP of Twitter. And the, this sort of came up in a couple of um, letters that we've gotten over the last few weeks. We keep saying autonomous vehicle and electric car in the same sentence. And people are trying to remind us, you don't have to have electric cars being autonomous vehicles. What we're really saying is that we want all the autonomous cars to be electric vehicles because Doing that plus a clean grid means that you can radically reduce carbon emissions. I think we understand these are two separate technologies, but they're best melded when you put them with EVs in terms of saving the planet. We do understand that. And of course, full autonomy is going to be here before full electric adoption. I mean, that is a given right there. So as long, I mean, companies like Volvo, companies like Mercedes, they've been working on some semi-autonomy for a very long time with their braking and safety features. So for sure, before Volvo has a full-blown electric SUV, they're going to have a fully autonomous car. There's just no doubt about it. And yes, we are aware of that, but we're trying to jam a lot of information into a one-hour show every week, and you people are making me sad. I don't understand why you're so mean. They weren't mean. Very nice. Tom, you're just too emotional. think we're stupid. We're not stupid. I'm smart. I was passed over. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Why does it always come back to the Godfather? No matter what you do, it always comes back. <laughs> Just has to. I'm in Chicago. Come on. It's gangster city. It's true. All right. Tesla Autopilot uh, 2.0. We talked uh, a couple of weeks ago about the fact that uh, Tesla Autopilot 2.0 is going to have some extra cameras in the front, some extra radars around the back, uh, maybe some other special source. And we asked the question, um, will you be able to get it retrofitted? Because there is the suggestion from a Model X owner and some other reports that uh, they're is at least the housing for some of these extra cameras and radars that are being in, seen in these cars that are coming off the lot right now. But it's all important to remember that you also need not just the cameras, as Robert told us last week, that you also have to have the right media control units and cabling. So it's not clear how retrofittable these cars will be, but this story from Electric suggests that at least cars coming off the 
um, Fremont line within the last few weeks are probably going to be able to be retrofitted with all this material, which again brings up the question that I have, which is don't bother retrofitting it. Just shove the stuff in there and turn it on with software. And this is why I lease my X because this technology is changing so fast. I don't want to buy a car. Normally, the cheapest way to own a vehicle is to buy and hold. You buy your car for 50 grand, you keep it for 15 years, that's very cheap. Leasing a car and flipping it every two or three years is the most expensive way to do it. But I see this more like my iPhone. I want to flip it every year or two because the technology is going to change and get better. And now we have this two-year lease that Robert and Tom talked about. Um, I think that's perfect for me right now. Lease and flip. And then, then, as Thomas said, it produces this market for all of these cars that have been pre-owned for people that can now jump into them. Yeah, and and the beautiful thing about the new Tesla lease and all these other leases like I talked about is you can get into these cars for very cheap. You can right now go to the Tesla and get an S or an X and pay about $11,000 a year for two years, um, $22,000 over two years, and you can be driving a $100,000 car, $80,000. I mean, it's not going to get you all the bells and whistles, right? Because as you click, click more through more stuff. The lease rates go up, but you can be driving an X or an S for about $11,000 a year, which for a lot of people is what they're paying for their transportation anyways, right? So if they're, if you have a, a $800 payment on your BMW and you're paying $200 a month for gas or whatever, that's a thing. But you can also get into a Leaf for $10,000. You can get into an i3 for $159 a month with $3,500 down. There are a lot of, and again, I don't know, a lot of these lease things are California-based. At least the BMW, uh, I'm not sure if that's a nationwide price, but it's pretty. That's a pretty interesting price point for a lot of people. So, uh, Tom, I, I wonder, are are you considering leasing a Model S, a stripped down Model S for five hundred and sixty? No, no, be, no, because that's still a thousand bucks a month over over two years, right? But I am considering, honestly, I, the, I for the show on a lot of levels. I'm considering leasing a couple of cars. Like if I could get the i3 at a two-year lease at 159, I would do that. Um, and I would probably lease a Leaf. And I would, you know, like because you're not again, you're not talking about. I, I you know, I could use a couple of cars anyways because of my daughter. And, and and it's just not that much a month. And I would love to drive the i3 on a long-term sort of test situation without having any real skin in the game. I mean, $159 a month is ridiculous for that car. That's the one without the range extender, Robert. So you don't have to worry about me putting any gas in it. Bravo, bravo. If Robert's very happy you're not going to carry around that <laughs> waste of weight that you're not going to Putting gonna it use. in my i3 backpack. So, again, I don't know. I haven't picked a car yet. I'm leaning all over the place because these end-of-year lease deals, because the new model years are about to come out, so they're trying to get rid of all the ones that they have. At the rate that you're making this decision, the Model 3 will be out, so you won't even have to worry about it. Yeah, that's pretty and, sweet. And I'm waiting for that. You know what? Maybe I'll just stay in Chicago till that happens. No, Tom. We want you to come back. Get better internet. So while we were <laughs> That's while we were talking about Tesla Autopilot, I caught an article on Fortune. It just came out a couple of days ago that Tesla lost a key player on its Maps team. A guy named Bill Chen, who worked for uh, Apple for like five years, has now left Tesla after two years, and he was he was the he was senior the engineering guy. manager, senior engineering manager for the Maps and navigation engineering effort at Tesla. Hmm. How'd he be he left because his title was boring. 
He was thought it was boring. Well, that's what you get when you're a PhD from Stanford. Uh, yeah. I um, was talking to a friend of mine who's uh, in the Silicon Valley, and I'm saying, I said to him, like, it really seems like Tesla is turning over a lot of executives, a lot of people. And uh, his response was, "Where if you shine your light on any of these big companies, it looks like they're turning people over all the time because they are. These people are jumping from job to job constantly because they can because there's not enough smart engineers. And you can go to into Tesla's, into Elon's office and say, I'm really good at maps and you should give me another you know, $600,000 a year. And Elon says, F you. And he walks over to Google and they're like, done. And then you move from Google and you're like, I'm going over to Apple. So there's right. this constant movement like there is in academic medicine the same way. The way you move up the... The grid is you jump from job to job. So it's not necessarily that Elon is there pissing everybody off. It's just that they're in such demand, these people, and they all shuffle between three or four companies constantly. Plus, it's after just two years. like academic medicine, classic. And after two years, his, uh, his stock options now vest, so he can probably buy a bunch of Tesla stock for whatever, 40 bucks a piece, and boom, big cash bonus or big, big earnings bonus. So, Tom, maybe you should go uh, become the new mapping uh, director at uh, Tesla and make some big bucks. All right. I'm out of here. See you guys later. There's got to be some some tech job in Chicago I can jump to. Let's talk about uh, wireless charging. So this is from TechCrunch. So even Tran, Evertran, uh, which is sort of big in the uh, EV charging industry, is about to ship wireless Tesla charging units. You've probably seen these for Leafs uh, on the interwebs. You may even have one. They're going to be about $2,500. They're going to charge at a rate of about 7.2 kilowatts or about 20 miles an hour. So that's pretty slow. And so I, my thought experiment was, would I buy one of these for $2,500 to charge really slowly? And since I'm not somebody that charges every day, I charge once or twice a week, um, this would be a waste of time. I also have my car outside. You can use these outside. So for me, I was like, who's going to use these silly things? But I guess maybe if you are charging every day and if you've got a nice place that you park your car and this thing is just going to be sort of where you park your car and it'll just magically charge for you. Maybe it's worthwhile. But one of you guys brought up the other important point was this is sort of inductive charging. So they have to put something on the bottom of the car. Is that thing going to get ripped off the first time you go over a little bump? Well, they say that if you have a Model D, a dual drive front front drive motor, you can't put this on. It just it wasn't designed for that. So basically you know, 70% of the market right now is out. But, you know, I was thinking as I was considering, you know, this is great for somebody who maybe isn't really EV oriented. They don't want to think about things. They just want to drive home, pull their car into the driveway or into the garage and walk away, not think about plugging or any of that stuff. And for them, that's great. If they have an extra 2,500 or after the introductory period, 3,500, go for it, man. Why not? In fact, they even say that it won't void your warranty. It's uh, It's got a three-year warranty itself. And, you know, it just makes life easier. And if that's what you want and you've got the money, why not? But for me, I actually get a satisfaction of going to the back of my car and flipping open that little cover and plugging it in and watching the little lights flash green. I just, I feel good. It makes me, that's part of the reason why I'm driving an electric car. I don't, I don't actually think they said that, that it wasn't going to affect the warranty. They said that they were going to cover any problems that the drive and battery might have had for those three years. That, that was unclear to me when I was 
when I was reading this article about it. I don't really get it. I think it makes a lot more sense in public charging applications because every time I go to any public charger, that cord is just abused. People drive over it. They never roll it back up. It's twisted. My guess is that those things have much shorter lifespans than your charger at home. Obviously, they're being used more, so that plays a factor into it. But I would much rather see this being a thing that, you know, all cars had the capability and every time you went to a place you could like sort of inductive charge. That would be, to me, that makes more sense. Well, this is a future. They're using it on public buses, right? Electric public buses where if you drive around and you see where the buses tend to stop, they put a concrete pad there because buses are really heavy. And if they stand for any time on the asphalt, the blacktop, the blacktop gets all deformed and rutted and horrible. So they put these big concrete pads where the buses stop at bus stops. And in some countries, maybe in the U.S., they've actually put inductive chargers in those locations. So for the five or four or three minutes or 10 minutes that the bus has stopped taking passengers on and letting passengers off, the bus is charging. And that's really cool. And in England, they're going to build a lane on a highway in which while you're driving on that lane, you can inductively charge. So this is the future. It's just, I don't, you know, maybe this is the first test and we'll see how it goes. And I think Tesla is basically silent on the does this affect my warranty? Because I think they're kind of interested in this. That's my gut feeling. Yeah, I think there's a there's a lot of room to improve this technology. I've uh, put inductive charging on my iPhone, had an adapter and stuff. And it, it, the idea was that one day you'd just come home with all your electronics and you'd throw them in your drawer and they'd all magically inductively charge. But all of the ones I've seen so far means you have to have the inductive charger and the little base plate on your phone exactly lined up. If it's off a little bit, it's a problem. And um, some of the first reports, I don't know if it's of these version, of the inductive chargers for the lease was the same thing. It's like you have to precisely line your car up back in and out, back in and out to get right over the top of this thing. So early days, but inductive charging, static and dynamic as you're driving, I think would be really cool. And maybe even one day they can just sort of do it over the air. It'll be like Wi-Fi. You won't even have to park anywhere. It'll just come straight through your into your car. That'd be cool. Let's that talk about space. Cool. Somebody talked to me about space about from news.com. Some updates. What's happening in space? Well, the astronauts the other night went out for over five, almost six hours, and installed this adapter on the space station where I guess the shuttle used to, to attach. Now they have an adapter that they've installed that will enable them to link either the Dragon capsule, that's the SpaceX Dragon capsule, or the uh, the Boeing uh, manned unit. It hasn't ever flown yet, but uh, the Dragon at least has gone up a number of times. But the Dragon that actually carries uh, people will have a different, I guess, a different type of an attachment, maybe more secure, better to handle the uh, the pressure and the atmosphere inside the capsule. So they've installed this thing. There was a couple of hitches, but they got it on. And uh, this, Tom, uh, just helps to make up for your concern that the that SpaceX blew up the first one of these adapters. They did. They installed this one. There's a cool like three, almost four hour video of the two astronauts on the spacewalk installing it. The video starts with them like uh, showing an animation of the whole process. And then they're actually out there, you know, installing mostly they're installing cables 
uh, but it's pretty pretty damn cool. It's put right on top of the old shutter shuttle port, as you say, Robert. So it's like an adapter on top of an adapter. And at one point, like she couldn't get the cap off of one of the cables because they have this lever and this cap. And and they had to like come up with a solution, and they're like, "Hold on, we're talking about it. We're talking about it." And they're like, "Take one of your handholds and use it as a lever, and try to like jam it up against the other lever with a with a wrench to to open it up." And I don't know if they ever got it because I couldn't watch three and a half hours of it, but it was pretty cool to watch. Like it was sort of like watching Apollo thirteen when they're like, "We have to get this square filter in that round hole in the next uh, forty five minutes," and so they they come up with well, these solutions you- on the fly. If you had to continue to watch, you would have seen that actually she punctured her suit and went flying up into space from the <laughs> outgassing of the uh, oxygen in her tent. In a, it's horrible, Tom. Was, she was screaming. Doing like, no, that, that didn't happen. That was, that, was a, that was a movie, Mel. Oh, was that, that a movie? Do- I get, yeah, I get confused sometimes. And actually, oh, I, I think that was Clooney that did that. Yeah. I was, doing, uh, I was doing some work on my clothesline with my son. We're trying to do a turnbuckle and we're working with some wire, some uh, stainless wire. And all I know is that it's very easy for me to like puncture my thumb, which I did. And I bled. <laughs> and I'm thinking, what if I was in space with a suit on? I'd be dead. Yeah, you'd be out of there. And SpaceX just got a second manned flight awarded. When is, when's the next launch from uh, California? Because I want to go up to Vandenberg and I want to see the big thing go flying up into the air. Tell me. We need to find I'll out. I'll, I'll, I'll look. There's like another launch September 9th, I believe. Yeah. I Next time there's one from Vandenberg, Florida. we'll tell everybody ahead of time and we'll uh, do a little meetup. We'll drive up there in our Teslas and we'll do a talking Tesla from uh, the next uh, space flight. Um, do you want to get political? I do want to get no. political. Right. Let's, nobody, nobody fall asleep, but he wants to get political. Let's go. Let's He's voting for Trump. Physical. He's voting for Trump. Physical. Oh, that's Olivia Newton-John. Excuse me. So uh, the other week we talked about the California Air Resources Board prompted by Elon, who just went off on them on the earnings call. And I was thinking, you know, we could use our power, Talking Tesla Nation, to do something. Let's try and move the needle. Let's let's join in with all the other Tesla people and all the other Tesla energies. So I wrote a sample letter that you could use and send to the Air Resources Board. And it's on the website. It's uh, basically, uh, I want the California Air Resources Board to fulfill their intended mission. And this is right out of their uh, website, to promote and protect public health, welfare, and ecological resources through the effective and efficient reduction of air pollutants while recognizing and considering the effects on the economy of the state. Economy of the state is important. California is actually doing quite well right now. We don't have a budget deficit anymore. We're, we're making good money. And so we don't have to pander to the ice manufacturers so much. So uh, it goes on. Follow your mandate created in 1990. Don't allow internal combustion engine cars of any type to qualify for the vehicle emissions credits. Ice cars add to the sky browning smog in metropolitan California. It hurts asthmatic children and others with common lung ailments. It retards us from moving the needle on carbon emissions reduction. Ice cars pollute in a compounding way with a trail of emissions from source of extraction through refining and transportation of refined products. The final emission is then from the tailpipes of California's vehicles. This sets the state back in its effort to advance the transition to a truly clean transportation system exemplified by the solar-powered home-charging pure electric vehicles. 
Such an ecosystem would further impact California's economy with jobs, manufacturing, and education in this rapidly growing field. I demand you stay true to your mandate. No more emissions credits for ICE cars. Zero emission vehicles are the only way to move forward clean, to clean up our environment and setting an example for the rest of the country and the world. Thank you. Preach, brother. Preach. So that's going to be up on the website if you want to copy and paste and send that to them. I, I really like this. I think that's very well done. Three cheers. Thank you. Well, seven years and in Cali. So. That, was, that was very nicely done. The next SpaceX launch from California, Mel, is September 19th or 20th, a Falcon 9 sending up 10 satellites for mobile communications. You know, on that on that topic, I just want to say that uh, my son saw on Facebook uh, somebody he rides with is actually a Tesla. I'm sorry, a SpaceX employee, and he was taking pictures of himself in front of the SpaceX uh, headquarters, where just the other day they erected the very first Falcon Nine Stage One that I think came back to Earth successfully. They've now uh, placed it at SpaceX in Hawthorne. You can see it. It's towering, whatever, 10 stories tall. And I'm just glad when they put it up, it didn't fall over because there's a lot of power lines right next to it. (laughs) That would be embarrassing. That would be electrifying. I want to do one last story before we go into letters, and we have a lot of letters. So I just threw this in at the last section because it follows up from what Tom was talking about last week. So it's from bigfortune.com. So Tom suggested, look, if they're going to do all this increase in manufacturing, how are they going to do it at Fremont? And this article sort of just reminds us again, passing through what um, Elon said, that at the Fremont factory, by dreadnoughting it, they believe that they can get that factory 10 times as efficient as it is right now. And so that means it could actually do millions of cars straight out of Fremont. This article also suggests that by small changes in battery chemistry, which have been discussed uh, by Tesla, and by the efficiencies of the Gigafactory, that this author believes that they will not only get the battery prices down by 30%, but by these changes and by these efficiencies and by opening up Gigafactory 2 and 3, that they could get battery prices down by more than 70%. And at that scale, then having micro and large-scale battery technology for you in the home and for you at the uh, sort of large-scale producer of electricity will not only be possible, it'll become almost cheap. So that was an exciting little article for you, Tom. This guy, at least, believes it's all going to be okay. That is exciting. Batteries for everyone. Everyone gets new batteries. So let's do a lot of letters, but let's do them quickly. First letter is from Robert Koch. And he says, I want to give you feedback. I bet it's, I a, bet it's Coke. I bet you anything it's wrong. No, I believe uh, it's cock. <laughs> and he said, g'day, mate, uh, from Down Under. Um, he said, talks about a lot of things, but mostly he says, Mel, you need to use your words. You're a smart guy. You can stop using the F word and substitute other words. If you were my three-year-old, I'd be saying... Use your words. So Mel. basically, he thinks you're kind of akin to his three-year-old. Um, but I yeah. think you, I think you skipped over the most important part of yes. his letter, where he said <laughs> three doctors should have enough intelligent adjectives between them to keep the convo safe for everyone. Three doctors, Mel. That means I'm a doctor. He made Tom a doctor. <laughs> Tom's always wanted to be a doctor. Congratulations, Tom. Thank you, thank you, Robert Coke, and I will spell your name right. Say your name right. <laughs> John Erickson uh, says, 
there's a $38,000 model S. So he's been really following that. What's this CPO? What does that stand for? Certified pre-owned. Oh, certified pre-owned site. And basically, the summary of this is keep checking that site if you're interested in getting a Model S because those prices are coming down muy rápido. So uh, check that out again, Tom, although I'm sure you're on there every week. I check it an awful lot. That is for sure. And, and yeah, he sent this email uh, I responded. He asked in the email, <laughs> would you have bought this? It was blue. My answer to him was, hell yes, I would have bought it for $38,000. Hell yes. Too late. Well, you know, my car, using their formula, is probably worth only about $28,000 because I turned 70,000 miles this week. Oh and they God. take a this dollar off. Been- Wow, that is a lot. This must have been like a, a like a one off, to be honest with you. Like they just uh, they're not that cheap. Uh, the cheapest Model S available on Tesla's website right now is forty nine five. It's blue and has thirty one thousand miles. It is located currently in San Francisco. It's blue. It has twenty uh, one inch wheels, which we don't like. It has tan interior. It nice. does have the tech package and active air suspension. So why don't you just sell Tom your car so you can get your ludicrous mode Model S? Because then I'll be talking to a divorce attorney next. Yeah. That's upsetting. His wife needs to drive that. He's going to give his wife that 70,000 miler instead of buying her a new one. Yeah, you should lease her a nicer one. Yeah. Come on, Robert. You're a doctor. Do another night shift. Here's another letter from Franco Capizzo, is it? Franco Capizzo, yes. I had a back and forth with Franco for a few days there. Summarize, what did you do with Franco? Franco is selling his 2013 RAV4 EV, and I was like, oh, that's kind of interesting. Do you have like a vehicle report on it? And uh, they were going to give him $21,000 to turn it in, and he was concerned about selling it to me, mostly because if it had something wrong with it, he was afraid of one of your rants. He didn't want to be completely demolished on this show by me or you, which I told him probably was likely, if anything even minor was wrong with it. (laughs) Um, He bought a Kia Soul, and I'm going to talk to Franco uh, when I get back into Los Angeles just to talk to him about you know his choice of why he picked the RAV to begin with and why he picked the Kia. So look for that hopefully next week. Um, Who's this guy? Bernard Spatzelotz. Well, Bernard uh, is the gentleman that says, uh, can you get rid of the explicit rating because he's got that phone from work that blocks all explicit rating and now he can only listen on the internet. Who knew the ramifications of putting that little E next to your podcast? F him. What? I'm sorry. I'm just kidding. Stop explicitizing. We're going to, we're cleaning this shit up. I'm here right now. <laughs> Are there some words Will you, you can, can stop say? already? Seriously. Like, can we say bollocks? Who knows? Nobody like, does. Nobody knows. Most people don't know what bollocks are, but I think we could try bollocks. All right, here's another no. one for you to pronounce because I am unable to pronounce. Mikias Tsigaye. Which sounds really good. Look, he did some silly math because he was also bored, loves the show, by the way, and said, according to his math, which was very detailed and I didn't understand it because I don't know letters and numbers, he said 100D battery should yield the Model S a 321-mile range using the American EPA system. So that's way over 300, which is pretty cool. Um, to get a range of 500 miles, though, using the same math, you're going to have to wait to get your Model S 164D. 
You're going to have to have a big battery pack to get 500 miles. Well, you know, uh, no, you could just buy a 100D and then just pull a 60D behind you and you'll be <laughs> fine. There you go. <laughs> and tether them. Bill Olson says uh, size of the Model 3. And to summarize this fairly long letter, it says he likes his Model S. His partner doesn't, thinks it's too big. And in fact, even in downtown southeast Portland, that Model S is a little bit too big. We talked about how in Italy and other places they've got these tiny little roads. Well, apparently in Portland they made the roads for horses, not for cars. And so it's even an issue there. So the idea of getting a Model 3, which is more shrunk down, uh, kind of a car, is very appealing to lots of people. And I've said it multiple times. I want a slightly smaller car. I find the S as I ram that car and jammed it next to uh, um, the pub. Maybe it's always the pub. Maybe it's the drinking. But before I went into the pub, <laughs> whenever I park, I managed to take the rims and put another ding in them. Yeah. But he well, said that because we mentioned that the Model 3 was only going to be 90% the size, which for him was still a deal breaker. Like they wanted it even smaller. And I don't know. Again, I've never seen it in person, so I don't know if the 90% the size of the S is I accurate. I think I pulled that, that is, out of my bum. That's what's reported. <laughs> I think Robert pulled it out of his bum, or maybe the two of you doctors pulled it out of each other's bums because that's what you do. Next week, we could come back with the actual measurements of the cars. Ooh, yeah, we could. Do we have that? We could actually we have, have some facts. We I remember reading somewhere that somebody said 80%, but we'll find out. Um, Bill Olson, again, if we've done this correctly, talked about lead in gas. Now, Bill obviously knows what he's talking about. And we said, you know, they put lead in uh, gasoline cars to stop the knocking. And he went through in detail about why they put lead in gas, and it improves the octane level. And this was back in the time when they thought that lead was fine, and they had it in paint, and they had it in aviation fuel, and Then they came along with catalytic converters to reduce some of these pollutants. And what I wanted to sort of remind people from that is, remember when they were trying to take lead out of paint and trying to take lead out of gasoline and how the manufacturers of that stuff said it was all fine? And remember how they put up bogus science to say that it's all fine? I want to remind you again of that book, uh, The Merchants of Doubt. It was the same scientists, the same people who are now saying climate change doesn't exist. It's the same group that did this with lead, who did this with so many other things, these eight holes, pissers, bollocks. Whatever word we're allowed allowed to say. He also reminds us that even if you've got a catalytic converter on your car, Mm. they don't work until they get really hot. So when you first turn on your car and you get that little plume of smoke, it's full of lovely carcinogens and nastiness. Another reason not to own an ice car. That's why it's so good to be in your garage as you're starting your car up in the morning. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Chuck Axelton wants to talk about Tom's Leaf. And he says, Tom, I own a Leaf. It's really cool. You should get one. did say that. I called it LL Cool Car, which I thought was kind of funny. Uh, He got a really killer deal on his least 2013 EV, although he said that it didn't have cruise control uh, on the 2013 Leaf S, which is like, it's a weird option. Oh, would you like it with cruise control? Then you're going to need to get an SL, I guess. That's the deal. But he also owns a big diesel pickup truck. And you know what? If I sicked Robert on him right now, he would not be very happy. There's no Tesla pickup truck yet, so you know I can't fault, fault the man. But you know, just use it sparingly. He's also Diego, a no uh, cursor. He's also wait, 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 Mel. Sorry, he's also a no cursor. He wants it to be PG rated. That's upsetting. It's upsetting <laughs> me. It's the right thing to do, but I don't always do the right thing. I still eat chicken. I mean, we've established that. Uh, Diego uh, Quivero 
um, wants to ask Tom, have you thought about a Mercedes B-Class EV? What about that one? That's got the heart of a Tesla. I have thought about that one as well. It is a little bit smaller than the RAV4. My wife drove it. She liked it, but she didn't love it. Uh, she felt like it was it was a little bit more underpowered than she would have liked as far as like its initial sort of that torquiness that we sort of all expect out of EVs. So uh, it has been thought of and it has been driven, although not by me, because I was like, I'm not driving around a Mercedes. I'm not a Mercedes guy. You're a Tesla guy, though. Mm. Uh, I do like driving that Model S, Mel. I'm not going to lie to you. Can so maybe we just need these? another. How about this, listeners? If you're not going to send me $15,000, then get 15000 of your friends to start listening to this show, and we'll get some advertisers. There you go. Mm. Andrew <laughs> Stevens is the Talking Tesla bingo guy. Andrew, thanks for your time. Um, I'm excited <laughs> for people to start playing it. So funny. So it was funny. goes with Saki. Mike Fernandez, a Tesla of plant-based meat. Now, this is very important. Uh, Mike is bringing up again that uh, the the creating of meat and the uh, mooing of cows and the farting of methane is all very inefficient. And so he talks about a show here, which is called the Ezra Klein Show, which talks specifically about this. Maybe worth listening if you're interested in it. And I will go and uh, listen to that. I really do want plant-based meat substitutes that taste good because I really like meat, but I'm happy to have <laughs> it as a plant-based form. Gavin, what's his name? Come on, somebody pronounce it for me. Olakoyu. Oh, well, he says the same thing. Awesome show. Great show. He's a Leaf driver, but uh, Tom, what about the Mercedes B-Class EV? But Tom's already said he doesn't like German cars. Actually, I didn't say that. You you paraphrased that uh, completely incorrectly, as a matter of fact. It's a German car. He also, Gavin, talks about the fact that the problem with uh, his commute with his Leaf, he's got a, it sounds like a long commute, and you have to stop and plug in a lot. And so... He's really waiting for the Model 3 because it'll be the first time he's got a brand new purpose-built car that'll be the right style and colouring and it'll have the right range and it'll have autopilot. But in the UK, it'll still be an expensive car. I think he's suggesting here that um, in the UK, it'll still be around the price of a used Model S, which is £40,000, not dollars. Well, Gavin, 90 in- to 120 mile commute. And what yeah. I don't understand is if this Move. gentleman's in the UK... How the hell does he know how many miles he's driving? Isn't he driving kilometers? I don't even know what the hell he's talking about. I'm confused. I'm going to give him just two hand high fives for being so committed to driving all electric. That's fantastic. Good job. He's also looking forward to the Model 3 being a little bit bigger than the Leaf as well. In fact, the new Leaf is going to have a 200-mile range. The 2017 is supposedly coming out. So I think that'll be an interesting car as well. Uh, Drew Schreeler. 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 (laughs) He loves the show. And uh, he's shared with this this article on Mashable, which is about uh, a new sort of lithium-type battery which theoretically is going to go into um, cell phones and is going to double the capacity. And we keep hearing about this stuff, and I am both excited by it, but I get sort of frustrated because every day, like most of the people on this show, I get my Google alerts about EVs and solar and batteries, and every single day there's somebody at MIT or Caltech who's come out with a new battery technology that could make it five times better, but these are all in the lab, and I just want to see something in the real world. 
Well, I thought what was interesting was that in this article and in the Mashable, I'm, I'm sorry, in the, um, there's a website for this organization, this company, where they sort of do a little promo and they talk about how their battery is so much better because the way they lay the lithium down is on top of a very thin foil. And that sounds like that's the reason why they can pack so much more, like twice as much energy into a battery. And it just brought memory back to when I was at the Gigafactory and they were showing these ginormous machines. I mean, like as big as like three houses that are just designed to lay lithium on thin foil. And I'm thinking, hmm, maybe Tesla and Panasonic are already on board with this sort of development. So it just got me excited. Bring on the new battery tech, please, Harry. I'm sure that uh, Elon and the boys are ready to retool the factory when this is actually useful. Doug Devine, he wants to take us to task. He is really sick of us confusing people, talking about kilowatt hours versus kilowatts and one's storage and one's a measure of energy. And Doug, I'm sorry, it's Tom's fault. We're going to hey. get better at this. Hey, wait a minute. It's going to be okay. Uh, 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 it's not my fault. What's amazing I... is he called us charismatic influencers. I, yeah, that sounds like something you smoke. Yeah, he must be talking about Tom again because I know he's not talking about me. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking I boisterous. Very adults. charismatic. That is true. Joel Sapp says he was also bored. Apparently, a lot of our Tesla friends get bored and do math. <laughs> <laughs> and he went through and said, you know, we've been worried about the fact that by the time the Model 3 comes around, because the tax credits here in the US are based on manufacturer, not on car. There's, by the time the Model 3 comes around, there's going to be no tax credits for your new Model 3. And he said, well, actually, GM has sold more EVs than Tesla with the Bolt and with the Volt. And so uh, if that is true, that the GM cars will actually use up their credits before the Tesla cars. Is that? It's, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Is that socialism? Yes, the socialist GM Lutz. He <laughs> Sorry, I was wow. sneezing. I didn't I didn't swear. Explicit tag. I was sneezing. Explicit. It was a sneeze. It's explicit. explicit. I wish I could explicit. show all you people how jacked up this is. So we've got Tom via Skype, <laughs> via FaceTime, <laughs> via him recording at home. Oh, it's just such a cluster. So he'll be back next week and it'll be beautiful and we'll all be back and there'll be extra energy because there's always a lot of energy when Tom's in the room because he exudes uh, boisterous enthusiasm. That is true. I'm and he exudes some other stuff that doesn't smell that good either. <laughs> no, that is that is also very accurate. Very accurate. Wouldn't you know it, just as I'm about to um, do the last section and master the whole thing up, of course, Elon comes out with a tweet and says, I have a product announcement. And that product announcement, as you already all know, is that there is now a 100D Model S and it's official and a 100D Model um, X. And it's going to have a super fast ludicrous mode, which makes it go even faster. The cost uh, is a little bit unclear in these early stages right now, but you'll be able to get your S and X configured with 100D, making the S go what looks like 315 miles um, on a single charge. And you'll be able to go from 0 to 60 miles an hour in 2.6 seconds instead of the very slow 2.8 seconds of the prior version. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it's not a big product announcement. But it's a fun one. All right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we're going to have Rolf and Silky giving us an update from their trans-Canadian uh, driving of an X and pulling a camper van. And it's really uh, fun. They've got some really useful information for us. Tom and Robert ask them some specific questions and they answer them in part two of Driving Across Canada. 
And as background, just remember that they're taking a Model X, they're pulling a camper, they're going across Canada, there's no superchargers in the middle of Canada, so they have a whole discussion about how they actually pull that off using solar panels and using EV chargers along the way. And uh, they also talk about their configuration of their camper itself. And it's really fascinating. I, I think you'll really enjoy it. They're a fun group. So uh, here we go across Canada. Hi, Mel, Tom, Tom and Robert. Robert. This is Soka. And Rolf. And? So we're in White River, Ontario right now. We are six weeks into our Cross Canada trip and uh, have uh, spent the last few days on the north shores of the truly superior Lake Superior in northern Ontario. So far, we have driven just over 8,000 kilometers. That is just over 5,000 miles. We made it uh, through the wide open flat country of the prairies, dodged a few thunderstorms there. And, uh, and a tornado. To- well, tornadoes nearby. They weren't that close, but within a few miles, yeah. We arrived in Ontario, which reminds us a little bit of British Columbia because we have a lot more forest here and hills and lakes and uh, rocky areas. Just the big mountains I'm missing. The biggest hurdle so far was uh, at the beginning of Lake Superior, there was almost no chargers. So we had to entirely rely on the campgrounds. So we did some campground hopping. And we're so looking forward to the superchargers in the Toronto area. We can see them on the map. We're just not quite there yet, but it's like a big, big carrot in front of our eyes. Well, another big hurdle is that we're actually very, very busy. Rolf is quite behind with his video editing, and that's not his fault. It's just, I don't know, we find... uh, Very little time. There's a lot of meeting people, which is, of course, great. And it's actually one of the greatest things that's happening right now. But we feel a little bit pressed for time sometimes. Yeah, we've been giving interviews to radio stations, uh, TV stations, uh, newspapers. It's great to meet uh, people that are really enthusiastic about the whole electric car movement and solar energy. We'll put some of those into our videos that are upcoming. And, uh, but we're still waiting for the big national coverage. So the good thing is that the uh, Ontario government is actually going to spend several million dollars on uh, improving the electric charging f- uh, structure. And uh, they're planning to put a lot of DC chargers in. So while not superchargers, we expect them to be 50 to 75 kilowatts Chatamo CCS chargers, which is significantly faster than what we find anywhere here. Totally excited about that. We think it's the right decision, the right step into the right direction but well we are a little bit early for that so (laughs) that's our challenge right now you asked about the supercharger network in canada just to give you an idea we hardly remember (laughs) (laughs) we hardly remember what they look like though they look the same in canada and in uh, as in the u.s Uh, but the last supercharger we saw was in red deer alberta which is 2,200 kilometers or 1,400 miles to the west of where we were yesterday. And since we're traveling about 150 miles a day, it would be 10 days straight traveling. And we had a few days off in between as well, so a lot longer than 10 days. Well, there is no supercharger coming for probably the next 
two weeks, something like oh, that? A week and a half. week and a half, mm -hmm. because the next one is in Barrie, Ontario, which is about 1,100 kilometers or 680 miles to the east of where we were yesterday. And then, of course, there are quite a few around the Toronto, Niagara Falls area, um, Montreal. And then the last one or last ones are either on the way to Quebec City or on the way to Ottawa. As I said, the superchargers are look pretty much the same uh, as in the US. They're usually about six to eight in one spot, just like in the US. They're close to restaurants or shopping areas whenever possible. And we have yet to see one with solar panels. So of course we would love to see that, but haven't really. Have we saw, seen that in the US? No, but we diverted ourselves to a campground that had solar panels and they had 42 solar panels. They had 42 plus 24. Yes, but 42 on one roof just for us. Not only that, but they installed a NEMA 1450 for us as we were there in the campsite. So, of course, that actually should have aired in your 42nd episode, right? So yeah. we're a little bit late for that. We but, just listened to um, 43 today. Part of gold is uh, charging right now, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> At 40 miles per hour corrected for the trailer. So we do see a lot of solar panels. Well, not enough, but more than we expected, maybe. For example, the solar park we visited in Vulcan. Alberta. That is actually a family park with solar. Then, as Rolf mentioned, the solar campground, the 42 plus 24 panels. We also saw something that we're not used to from BC and from British Columbia, and we truly hope it'll make its way to British Columbia, and that is the traffic lights that direct the traffic during construction sites. They're actually solar-powered traffic lights here and we think that makes total sense yeah i've seen them in germany a lot british columbia we do not have these traffic lights because we always have a person standing there i know with a slow and stop sign and it's a gov it's a, a union thing you can't replace them with electrons they should replace them with solar panels. Yet have to see another solar camper. I saw one solar panel, pretty small one, the other day in a camp spot. But um, that's about it so far with regard to solar. All right. Range. We Actual talked about the range. range anxiety that we have rediscovered. It has gone away to a certain extent because now we know how to compute what we actually have left well, and how to pace ourselves. Sometimes and sometimes we don't. Remember, we arrived with one kilometer left. Yes, that was pretty precise mathematical. Um, I know. Had uh, you know, in my head, calculations. Oh, I think you panicked too. <laughs> <laughs> well, I only panicked because I didn't know if it would cut me off maybe already with five kilometers left. Maybe we should... Um, By the way, briefly. one kilometer is less than a mile. So we were charging at somebody's private charger. Uh, so Rolf unhooked the trailer, backed up into the garage. Which meant I left the ra a trailer on the road. And we didn't know those people, by the way. Yeah, we didn't know those people. We, let, we, <laughs> we made contact story. through PlugShare. 
And um, then uh, we plugged it in and we took them out for lunch and, you know, came back after a while and let the dogs play in the garden. And, uh, Adam I, and Eve. And I checked uh, the car and it said, well, you have so much range. You have 16%. Yeah, 16% to arrive there. And uh, we only had to go another 100 kilometers, yeah. which is less. That's about 60 miles, 65 miles. So it's it's not that far. Then we um, reconnected the trailer on the road and started driving. And within a minute, I saw the 16% had turned into 10% within two minutes. And I couldn't figure it out first until it started uh, settling. And the 16% was, of course, without the trailer. As soon as it detected the trailer, it uh, corrected itself to the 10% left. Which, which is, wasn't exactly what and, we were left with. <laughs> and and the estimate that the onboard computer gives you, even with the trailer, while somewhat corrected, is not nearly corrected enough, even for 70 kilometers per hour or 45 miles per hour. It's not enough corrected. So you would have to go travel really, really slow to meet that rating. So it was going down and down and down. And uh, the wind was also starting to come a little bit from the wrong direction. And uh, yeah, I paced ourselves to make it with one kilometer left. Within an hour, we had to get charged enough to make it to the next media event, a scheduled, EV, mark, yes. a scheduled EV club event. Yeah. So now go into um, the actual range. At uh, 70 kilometers per hour or 45 miles per hour, we do 250 kilometers with a little bit of a spare, or 155 miles. Once we go up to 80 kilometers, that's 50 miles per hour, and we can do 210 kilometers range, 130 miles, and at 90 miles per hour, 90 kilometers per hour, I wish 90 miles per hour, 90 <laughs> kilometers per hour, or 55, 56 miles per hour, we can do 180 kilometers or 110 miles. Maximum speed, no idea, but I would expect that to be way above 100. He's still leaving other cars in the dust at the red traffic light in yes, the pole and it's position. Yes, so <laughs> much fun. Well, I'm glad that Rolf is having some fun since he doesn't have the auto steer. He thinks driving isn't that much fun or at least not that relaxing. No, well, not when you're towing a trailer and you're going 70. Then you would rather like to... I know, it feels different to go w without the trailer. Even to, oh, yeah. me, even to me as a passenger. And that's not like... It doesn't... I don't know. It, we don't feel the trailer. No, you don't feel it. it. You only realize it because you're going slow. Otherwise, your consumption goes way high. Yeah. which goes actually exponential. So while this uh, trailer has teardrop shape and we can lower the roof by about a foot, it still has um, quite a big drag coefficient. Because if you look down and from the top, it's basically you're dragging a big rectangle. From the side, it looks air foil shape. I came across a post somebody somewhere on Facebook where somebody was posting their consumption with a pop-up camper. And uh, they were actually saying they were able to draft behind the truck I don't know how close they went, but they said they were going 75 miles per hour and they were getting close to the EPA rated range, which is about 210 watt hours per kilometer. That should translate to about 330 watt hours per mile. I tried something similar. I don't have the numbers in the top of my head anymore, but no, with this trailer, we were a lot, we, we used a lot more. Yeah. So uh, then are we enjoying ourselves? Well... I would say we are at some time. Sometimes we don't. <laughs> Because we. It's the lack of sake. <laughs> yeah, we need more sake. <laughs> The thing is that because of our 
reduced range, we are exploring much less than what we're used to. Um, we do feel a little bit um, time constrained, too. Yeah, with all um, the blogging, social media, that, video editing, it gets turns into long days every day. And in the past, we um, often camped at forest campgrounds where there's barely a... Well, well away from civilization. Somewhere out in nowhere land, and now we constantly have to rely on campgrounds with chargers, and some of those campgrounds are glorified parking lots. The last few days were good I know, here. I know. I'm so grateful for the one, the Rainbow Falls Provincial Campground. It was gorgeous. Uh, right on the shores of Lake Superior. It was beautiful. Um, but I think we were lucky. Yes, and I and fear we were, that we will get more parking lots. And we were double lucky. It had 30 <laughs> amps, but... A fellow Tesla owner gave me this little device that lets you connect two 30-amp outlets if they are on different phases in your uh, power panel at home. You get L1 and L2. Each one of them is 120 volts. And if you do baseboard heating or your washer, your dryer, your stove... Adam and Eve. You take both of them, and then you get 240 volts. And I was able to combine two of these with this combiner box here as well to turn a 220 volt 30 amp outlets into one 30 amp 240 volts. So we were actually able to charge overnight and not in 24 plus hours. And that made us very, very happy. <laughs> Those are the moments when we really enjoy ourselves. But then in the end... We decided to stay a second day, so we didn't really need it yeah, because it was yeah. so pretty there. Oh, yeah, yeah. We could yeah. have stayed even longer. No, I mean, um, yes, we are busy, but we knew that was coming. I mean, there's purpose to our trip, and uh, I think that is really going well. We are meeting a lot of people. Um, there's never a stop without people looking at the car and the trailer and talking to us. So that is amazing. Um it's just, it's less of a vacation than I thought it would be. The question about poutine. Well, actually, I don't think I've ever had poutine in my life. Poutine originated in Quebec, and we're still in Ontario, so we're actually not quite in poutine country just yet. And I was wondering, Tom, what is your favorite poutine, and where have you had poutine, and what's the... To all the listeners, where should we go to get the best poutine? Has ever anybody uh, been to Quebec and tried out and was really, really convinced yeah. that fries well, with gravy is a good thing? Well, just send us a message on uh, <laughs> Facebook Messenger or through email, teslaxcanada.com. Maybe that wasn't fair to call it fries with gravy. <laughs> but I think I had to explain what we poutine is. We may get uh, the guillotine at the border to Quebec. Maybe they won't let us in. <laughs> Maybe we will love poutine once we were in Quebec. Uh, one of the next questions was, you know, do we have to uncouple the trailer uh, when we're charging? Um, that would be the royal we. The royal we that's sitting next to me has to uncouple the trailer some of yes. the time. First of all, a little bit of a uh, tidbit there. I decided against a weight distribution bar system. One, the trailer is relatively light and I made sure that I balance it relatively well. So, yeah, sometimes we have to 
disconnect the trailer and sometimes we don't because most of the areas where we are now, you know, population of 1,000 is a big place here. If you pull up to the back of a motel that has a charger, uh, there's lots of space. If I do have to uncouple the trailer, it takes only about a minute. I optimized that pretty well. Made a few little design changes to the whole hookup. So it's easier, can be easier done. Pouring rain, I think you'll be even faster, yes. Well, what makes it also easier for us is that the Sun Country Highway chargers which are, are clipper creek chargers have pretty long cables yep. so even if they're right in front of a parking lot and an ice car would be parked right there in front of the charger and maybe even one to the right and the left of it we would still be able to reach our car cable is uh, probably one and a half times the length of a car yeah and with that of course it's way longer than any cable at the supercharger we are putting 70 amps through here at a supercharger, we're doing 300 amps. Another question was the range and performance of the Model X while towing a trailer. Here comes my big uh, sorry sore spot. Auto steer is not available when the car detects a trailer. Even though somebody on Facebook said, I should just disconnect the blue cable, <laughs> which I believe oh, is though the electric trailer brakes, oh, I believe. Oh. And then I could trick the car into I thinking and think not towing. I think you should have shared that one either. You're giving the wrong ideas to the wrong people. I won't be doing that. And you didn't say it, right? I didn't say it. No, you didn't yeah. say it. So the missing auto steer is a problem. Performance, you hardly feel that you have a trailer behind you. If you're at traffic light and there's a Dodge Charger beside you and you need to get into his lane because the lane in front of you is blocked, you just do it. And the guy, when he later on passes you, does not look happy. <laughs> and I sometimes check when we leave the campground. Are we actually pulling the trailer? <laughs> okay, now the trailer that we talked so much about the trailer, it's uh, built in Quebec, in poutine country, by Safari Condo. So it has a retractable roof. That's why we picked it. Uh, it's lightweight, and it has the walls that I wanted for bear country. Solid walls. Solid no walls. walls. Yeah. No, I didn't want a tent trailer. And it has a toilet. Here we go again. I think it's good for two adults and a dog or a child. Or if you like confined spaces, maybe you can take a dog and a child. But that wouldn't be me. Changes that I made to the trailer. I installed, of course, the larger solar panels, 800 watts. And uh, I installed lithium batteries, 5 kilowatt hours. They are Winston cells, so they're lithium iron phosphate. It's a very safe chemistry. It doesn't have any thermal runaway. We have tried charging uh, a Tesla Model S, actually, from our camper for about 20 minutes. We were getting six kilometers didn't power. Up. Didn't blow up. Didn't do anything. <laughs> the inverter didn't overheat. Uh, we got uh, six kilometers or about four miles per hour. It's the same you get from a wall outlet. In a day, we could do about 20 miles of charge from the trailer. So that means maybe I don't have to give up hope on backcountry camping with the Model X and trailer. If we yet. stay there long enough. That's the thing. If we stay there long enough, we're good. We've been trying to convert the trailer completely into electric. We still have propane and we use it for the fridge. And that's the only thing that we've been using it for. Um, our mistake, our mistake, we picked the wrong fridge. Yeah, we, did, we didn't go for a 12-volt compressor fridge then we would be able to run that easily off the uh, batteries as well because they're quite efficient. But the uh, electric propane 
combination fridges are very inefficient when you use electricity. And we are cooking with induction cooking, and we have a hot water kettle as well, so we use that for our coffee in the morning instead of propane. So we're not quite CO2 emissions free, but that also would mean that we would have to stop breathing, exhaling. Can't do that quite yet. I'm pretty bad at holding my breath. Thank you for uh, playing almost our entire recording last year. Mm -hmm. There was only one thing missing and we noticed. And uh, did you get to see the video we made about it? (laughs) If not, go to our YouTube channel. I think it's funny. Yeah, we want to hear more questions because we're having a blast answering them, as you might have noticed. And we have a blast listening to you guys. (laughs) (laughs) Episode 43 was pretty good. So let's get some sake. Let's get some sake. No, they don't have sake here. (laughs) Population less than 1,000. There is nothing here. (laughs) But maybe our car is almost uh, charged enough to make it to the next campground. So we're going to Wawa. Bye-bye. 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 Kai says bye too. (laughs) 